This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Hey guys, this is Jeff from Grand Rapids, Michigan. You guys are awesome. Um, so trying to catch up on some episodes, got to episode 446, social media. And um, you guys basically articulated a lot of stuff that's been locked, locked up in my head that I can't explain to people for for years. I dropped Facebook seven, eight years ago. Um, the last three or four years, I've been unlocking my phone and and running a ROM has no Google on it. Um, just to try to lower that digital footprint, to lower that data, because I understand how it's being used and how I'm being manipulated. And because of that, I don't get a lot of push notifications. So it has been uh, beneficial in being able to engage at a human level again and not a digital level. So anyway, just wanted to share. Thanks, guys. Floor Hill, motherfuckers. Hey, guys. This is Chronic the Hemp Hog calling from Calgary. And maybe it's just the nationally legalized weed seeking. But I kind of like eggnog. Sorry, old. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from the elven slave shops of the North Pole. Ho, 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 motherfucker. This is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way, including the elves. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence. Open season on elves. To any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. If you get fisted by an elf, yeah. it's a smaller fist. So you, you that's like the, that starter, or it's the starter fist. Okay. It's a starter fist. So that's like junior varsity. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like junior varsity. Yeah. <laughs> or makes us mad. <laughs> I think it's, a it's skeptical. It's political. And there is no welcome mat. This is episode 448. This is our Christmas Eve spectacular. If you're listening to this on the regular release, yeah, regular release. it is Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Your family and yeah. friends are probably all gathered or gathering around today. Soon, soon to be gathering tomorrow. Go ahead and put this on your Bluetooth, your yeah, Sonos. Let Grandma take a listen. Later on in the in the show, we're going to have on uh, Keith from Modest Needs. Great guy. And uh, No Illusions is also going to join us. And uh, and we are going to have on him on for a interview and uh, talk about the uh, the extent of the reach of the vulgarity of charity, what it, what it actually did this year, how much, how much it what an impact. It made. Yeah. Yeah. So, huge impact. So, so yeah, stick around for that. It's going to be the, uh, at the end of the show and, uh, he is an absolute superhero. So stick around. That's a great segue into another fine charity. Cecil. Fine charity. Did you plan that by the way? Did you Absolutely. plan that? Segue? I did. I well did. done my friend. Well the done. Segue. This is from, yeah, it's a segue. Thank you. You can actually <laughs> drive one right over a cliff. Uh, this is from, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is uh, suck, huh? Yeah, it, like I don't want to die ironically, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like I want to go out, 
spitting and yeah, fighting and too. like clawing my way. Yeah. Like, I don't want to die in a stupid, ironic fedora accident. Oh, you know, know what I mean? Like fedora <laughs> a tragic fedora accident <laughs> where you're just like, oh, fuck, yeah. like strangled by your own skinny jeans or <laughs> fucking like whatever, like the beeswax on uh, your mustache catches on fire <laughs> and you're like, I'm drowning in artisanal mayonnaise in Brooklyn or whatever. <laughs> fucking horrible bullshit death you die. <laughs> no. No, yeah. I'm going to go down fighting the whole time and not on a segue over. A yeah. <laughs> Bulldozer fight. Guy might've went over. That guy might've went down <laughs> fighting. You don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. This story's from the New York times. Trump charity to dissolve under deal with New York attorney general. Uh, the New York attorney general uh, filed a lawsuit saying like, Hey, uh, you're using a lot of that charity money for your own personal gain. That's not how you charity at all. <laughs> And there's been a lot of criticism over the Trump Foundation for yeah, a long time. For a long time. Um, for its lack of transparency sure. um, mm. and for it being basically little more than a figurehead to launder money yeah. in a tax-free way. Yeah, basically, for real. Yeah. For yeah. real. Yeah. Um, and the New York Attorney General was like, well, what if we look into this? And Trump was like, what if we just dissolve it right away and you don't have to look at anything? And, Which is what's happening. Well, uh, there are also, um, there's so much great shit in this article. The lawsuit against Donald, uh, the Donald Trump Foundation seeks to recoup $2.8 million and ban Trump and his three eldest children yeah, from leadership roles in any other New York charity. I, like you, I, you fuck this one up so bad that you can't charity anymore. I would we like don't to let you charity. No, you no, can't do that. You can't charity anymore. You can't even date a girl named charity. <laughs> <laughs> Can he pay her off when he's done? <laughs> Can, can he do I that? Well, I don't know. I, that's what it feels like. It's funny because because that's a stripper now. Well, <laughs> I'm really, just saying, it, like, yeah, I guess. Come so. on. It's funny because at the bottom it says that uh, the complaint yeah, alleged that among other things, Trump wrongly ceded control to his camp uh, campaign of 2.8 million donated to the foundation and in, uh, in 2016 Iowa fundraiser for military veterans. He others challenged expenses including a hundred thousand dollars to settle a dispute involving Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort and a $10,000 for a portrait of Trump that was hung at one of his golf clubs. Like he's just in a strip club, leaning back, sliding 501c3s into girls' <laughs> G-strings. Just like, get over here, sweetheart. Slap. What do you say, Stormy? <laughs> I I love the idea that he had to pay $10,000 for somebody to paint him to look good. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Somebody's like, it takes a lot. All right, I want a painting of yeah. me. Like, all right, um, I normally charge oh. way less than this, but oh my God. <laughs> No, it's the, oh my God. what the charge is, is having to look at him that long. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah. I'm not staring at you I for gotta, three hours. I have to spend my time either looking at a photo of you or looking at you. This not is interested. a man so horrifying. He would have to tip the police composite artist, you know, like I get it. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he's got plenty of money to tip him though. It just tip him out of the well, 2.8 million. Yeah. <laughs> I love this guy though. This is so funny. He's just like, yeah, no, I've done a lot for vets. I also have this full size likeness made of gold of me <laughs> that I seem to have bought from the same funds. I would like $3 yeah. million. I will give it to the military veterans. They will use it to paint my portrait. I will hang it up in my golf club. <laughs> They'll love it. It'll love it so much. They He's won't even know how much they love it. Douchebag. Also, I am literally the worst person. God, such a dude. And it's so, what's so funny about this, Tom, is that 
how long have we been hearing about the Clinton Foundation from all those people at the Clinton Foundation? Oh, I know. So it's so crooked. The Clinton Foundation. Look at how crooked that is. Yeah. There's, there's site. They're bringing look at kids Charity in. Navigator. Yeah, you know, yeah. Charity Navigator and the Clinton Foundation. It's like it's virtually flawless. Yeah. Right. Like they have looked into it's that. They own Charity Navigator. What's that? They, they own Charity it's, Navigator. It's owned by Big Clinton. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Check Soros Navigator. Yeah. You'll find out. <laughs> No, but it's it's so funny because everybody's been talking about the yeah. kids, like all the kids and, oh, they're going to shut this. They are going to shut this charity down within the next week. I guarantee it. And then you just, it, what happens? Oh, Trump's charity has to dissolve. Yeah. And Trump's charity has to dissolve because... Because they found him doing some horrible shit. Taking the money. Ta basically just dipping charity. into the kitty. Yeah, just dipping into the kitty. Yeah, right. And use, like you said, using it as a front. And it's been, it's been nothing but that. And you're like, who? I mean, I can't imagine. Can you imagine if this would happen to anybody else? Hey, here's the problem is this won't matter. It's it like the New York Times at this point cannot keep up with yeah. the amount of. Right. And I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Nobody can keep up with the amount of, of, of uh, shit. That comes out. It's it's like you've got you've got a constant stream where it's like, okay, well, we we examine his financial dealings and how he got rich. Remember that story? It was like, though, we're gonna look into his yeah. past. Yeah. We're gonna find out where his money came from. We're gonna see all these misdeeds. And that big story broke, and then nothing happened because then some other story broke, and then some other story broke, and some other story broke. And at some point, you're like, all right, yeah, he's stealing money from his own charity. Like, who's fucking surprised? He's not paying his fair share of taxes. Did anyone yeah. really think he was? Even the evangelicals who support him are just like, look, nobody thought he was a good guy. Yeah. They're coming out and just at this point, like people that support him are coming out and just saying things like nobody thought he was better than this. And I, and I think that like the problem that I have is I think that that's true. I think that that's really the part I'm struggling with is that nobody did think he was better. Than yes. This. Right. And so the part like, like, like what I would consider He's like just living our up side. to expectations. Yeah. Like what I would consider our side, we're saying like, can't you see how awful he is? And they're, and like, what we're not hearing is the truth of the refrain back, which is, yeah, we already yep. knew that. Yep. Hard. Yes. And we, we didn't care. Yeah. We didn't give a shit. And so like, when we come out and we're like, but this scandal, people are like, we literally don't care. Yeah. We don't, we never cared. We never thought he was a good guy. Why are you going through all this work to try to prove he's a bad guy? Sure. And so like, I, I'm seeing this and I'm coming to this realization over the past week or so. And I'm like, I can't, if we don't care that he was a piece of shit, if like we knew he was a piece of shit, then like all of this is superfluous. All this reporting, all yeah. this, it it's never going to matter. Mm -hmm. None of it's ever going to matter because he was the white guy. That's it's, it. So um, Senator Claire McCaskill did an interview with the New York Times and I was listening to it. And in the interview, she says that she was at a gas station the week after the Trump victory. And she had someone call her over, a guy, white guy from Missouri called her over and her, you know, on one yeah. of the small towns, she, she named the town of fucking, who cares? It's in Missouri. Right. And, uh, and he <laughs> yeah, you don't said, have to say yeah, small in yeah. front of town when you talk about Missouri. So he says to her, I voted for you in the last election. And I'm going to tell you why I didn't vote for her. I knew she cared about Muslims. I knew she cared about gay people. I knew she cared about blacks. I knew she cared about women. I knew she cared about, um, you know, he started naming, you know, trans community. I knew she cared about, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's like, no. But I felt like she sure as shit didn't give a, give a goddamn about me, is what he said. And the first thing that pops into my head when I hear that is to the, to the privileged 
equality feels like oppression, right? If you're if you're a privileged person, right, yeah, and you suddenly have a a level of equality with somebody who was below you before, that feels like you're being oppressed. You're not. They're just being lifted up, but it feels like right. you're being oppressed, right? And so that's one thing that popped in my head. The other thing is like, if you're a poor person, chances are she was for you, mm-hmm. at least more for you than the rich guy, right? Yeah. Right, right. Because the rich guy, as soon as he got in office, you can tell. All you have to do is look at his budget, right? Don't have to look at anything else that came out of his mouth. Yeah, like, don't pay attention. Do don't yeah. pay attention to what he did. What he, what he talked about, what he had, a great game. He had certainly talked a great game when it came to clean coal and we're going to fire up this nation again. We're going to do right. Certainly talked a great game, but look at his budget. Yeah. Look at what he did with his budget, guys. That's I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you. Just look at it. Look at where all the tax cuts went. Look at who got the biggest tax cut. Look at who, look at who he put the biggest burden on. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then you can tell exactly who he cared about. He didn't care about that guy in the gas station in, in fucking Springfield, Missouri, or whatever the fuck. He didn't care about that guy. He cared about his rich friend getting a getting a crazy good tax cut and making a shit ton of money because everything that's been on the Republicans' plate for the last eight decades has been trickle down economics. Right. And so, so he, he, he either wasn't paying attention or he was identifying with the white guy. Well, I think he was identifying, like, I, I think part of it too, is that people are identifying with the rhetoric. They were identifying with the anger, the emotion behind it. Like yeah. they're getting, they're getting fired up. They're like, I'm angry yeah. too. And it's like, no, oh, you guys have to be angry about the same things. And you have to be angry about the same things that will lead you to solutions. Yeah that cause you not to be angry anymore. But the problem, I think part one of the problems is like when you're in the midst of all that anger, all you want is for that anger to feel validated by someone more powerful than you. Yeah. You know, because if somebody more powerful than you will validate your anger, regardless of whether they have a solution to where you're no longer angry, because in the middle of all that, it's so hard to see a way out of it. Yeah. And Trump didn't really try to address a solution. It was never solutions based. No, it was all atta- it was it was always, attacking the other side. Yeah. I get it too. Yeah. I understand too. I'm also angry. Let's be angry together. We're in the trench. Let's not try to dig our way out of the trench. Let's be in this trench, yeah. in this trench together. And so they all fucking linked arms. Yeah. And then he promptly stood up and walked away from all those motherfuckers. And it's like, none of these folks, none of these folks ever thought he was better than that. I think what's happening though is some people thought, yeah, he was a piece of shit, but he was going to help me. And now they're saying like, oh, he's a piece of shit and he's not going to help me. Well, and gonna, there is a backlash. They'll, be, they'll start to see it. Missouri is one of those places that is starting to feel the crunch of the soybean uh, tariffs that he put forward. Yeah. And they're starting to think, oh, maybe he's not the great genius that he want, that everybody thought he was. You know, well, he's not. Yeah. So there's a possibility in that, in that front. I also want to circle back too, because I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I don't know that Hillary was going to be she uh, she might not have been super great to somebody who's underprivileged. That's there's a possibility, right? Sure, right but yeah. she's certainly going to be better than what he's proven he's done, right? Even if she's 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 not even close to ideal for you. Yeah. And she's she's with you on a few things. She's probably going to be with you on more than for more than him. Yeah. And so we've got to we've got to start looking at and I and I I I understand that we want to try to get more progressive people in there. You want to try to get more progressive people in there are going to push for other reforms, but 
I think I think you 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 can't be like, well, she doesn't match up with me a hundred percent, so I'm going to go with this person who doesn't match up with me ninety nine percent of the time. There's a there's a sense that that I've heard that like, you know, we we should. So I made an analogy a long time ago, and I saw a refutation of it. So I made an analogy that says, you know, if if the choice is whether you're going to get punched in the face or get your head chopped off, you should choose getting punched in the face, even though being punched in the face is unpleasant. It's certainly less than getting your head chopped off. And one of the refutations was like, well, but you're you're telling people it's okay to punch you in the face. Right. It's like, well, no, what I'm saying is I'm acknowledging the reality that one of these two things is going to happen. Yeah. I, I am not condoning either, but I understand that the pragmatic reality is that I can't stop either from occurring. I would like to take the one that causes less harm, right? And, is- and, and let me add to that. Yeah. At least afterwards, I can argue with the guy that punched me in the face. Yeah. Well, my know, head's after, cut off. after that's over, <clears throat> I at least have some recourse to say, you know what? You punched me in the face and I'm mad about it. At least you have some recourse and you're at least in charge enough right. at that point to do something about it. Yeah. Now, there, there's an argument that I've seen that says like, well, you got you to gotta let this happen. You got to let this Trump thing play out because it'll push the reaction against this fucking four-year nightmare will push people further to the left, mm. that there'll be a reactionary mm. response that pushes mm. people further to the left, and you'll be more likely to send a message that that you're going to... But I think that's a fucking huge gamble, right? It's and such what a can massive, you, massive what gamble. What do to the earth in four years? Thank you. And that's that's the other part, right? It's like your your gamble is twofold. Your gamble first is that by allowing this fucking nightmarish horror show to continue for four years, that you will achieve a political victory at the end of that, which results in a shift to the left, right? And then the other gamble that you're making is that he can't do enough damage that is irreparable. And I think we know now that that's not true, that the amount of damage that is already being done, that is already accomplished, will take decades to unspin. Look at W, right? Sure. W, the damage W did in the Mideast will outlive me. Sure. It will outlive you. We will not, we will, we will never be done with that damage. The damage that, like you and I, as, as human beings, we will never experience a day where that is something that happened in the past, which is not happening now as a course of the present. I don't, I can't see how that's the case. It's huge. The amount of damage these fucking people can do is huge. And W is a thousand times better president, and he scared the shit out of me than Trump. I I was just thinking to myself, I was like, who would I make that gamble with? And I was thinking, you know, I would have made that gamble with Romney. You know, like with Romney, where a guy, he's a guy who in his own state instituted a, a health plan that was very similar to what Obamacare eventually became. You know, he's a guy who's very... He, he was more centrist than he was far, far right. He had yeah. some crazy right policies. And though, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Don't send me an email and be like, you're so fucking wrong about Romney. Oh, my God. But like Romney or Trump, who would you gamble on? I'll take yeah. I'll take Romney right. a million times over. But the argument is that like he was Romney was so establishment that he would not cause the same kind of disruption sure. to yeah. the system. Right. I and that's the problem that. with the gamble, though. Right. That's the problem because the only people I would be willing to gamble on on the on the right taking over are people that are pretty milk toast. Right. I wouldn't yeah. want to gamble on. I certainly the the gamble fucking did not pay off for fucking Bush and he won too. Yeah. So well and it's like 
it that, that gamble is predicated on like knowing the unknowable. It's like it's like you've it's predicated on this fucking hypothesis yeah. of if I allow this to happen, then and it's like you don't get to know all that. Yeah, you don't. All get, you nope. get to know, nope, is who gets to be in charge next. Yep, that's all you get to that's know. It. And you're not like condoning somebody punching you in the face. You're saying, look, if one of these two things is going to happen, and it certainly is, the lesser of two evils is less evil. Yeah. We should have vote for less evil. Yeah. I don't even understand how that's like a difficult yeah. I'm I'm with you on that moment, for sure. But it's it and is. and if you put somebody in office, you have every opportunity to then try to change how their policies it's not like they come in and they're just like, I'm going to do whatever I want. They want to get reelected. Right. You are watching the beginning and the birth of the new world order. And you want to call me crazy? Go to hell. Call me crazy all you want. This story is from Dead State. Uh, Pro-Trump journalist George H.W. Bush didn't die of natural causes. He was executed. Hey, man, who's going to be doing a little bit of talking next? Who's the journalist, though? I mean, when you put, like, air quotes around it, does that mean she's an actual journalist? This is Liz Ten Fingers. Eight fingers. Croaking. I want to send her a Christmas present. Can we send her a hand puppet as a Christmas present? <laughs> a finger send puppet? Her, send her a mitten. Can we send her eight <laughs> finger puppets? <laughs> eight. <laughs> Everybody should send Liz Croaking eight finger oh, puppets. Oh, my gosh. That would be... Fucking amazing. The worst part is that she can't do the shocker to somebody anymore. That's the problem. She's got to go. She's got to go with her offhand, it's and that's the, just awkward. Offhand shocker. Ugh. God, that's that one, weird. That is weird. It is weird because you, the rhythm's off. I, that, you know, yeah, like you can never get the coordination off. in there. The and rhythm's just, off, and you're just like you're pushing, and you're just like, ah, like, is this working? I can't. It's yeah, too, it's like, I can't get a good yeah, sound. Yeah, it's like no. This week, the Department of Justice is going to talk about their findings into the Clinton Foundation probe. It was leaked on Friday that Huber had... She has an incredible... Wait, did she say amount. Uber? I think she said Huber. Oh, okay. Uh, I think she probably couldn't pronounce it properly yeah. through the amount of fucking lip glitter okay. she's got going okay. on right now. She's shiny like a 14-year-old really girl. Is. Jesus is shiny. Christ. I like that the back, you can really kind of see the, the, the painting behind her and it looks like somebody painted a cat's paws and it went for a little scamper. Do you know what? To me, it looks like, uh, do you remember Blair Witch where all those hands are pressing on the tent? <laughs> if they just all dip their hands yeah. in paint first. In paint real yeah. quick, yeah. That Huber has been talking to Clinton Foundation whistleblowers. Whistleblowers for the Clinton Foundation. For the charity. For the charity, yeah. The hearing that goes down this week on December 5th, which happens... Mm, that's over now. Okay, so December 5th Just want 5th to say it's over. Guys, that was a while ago. The best thing to do is to cover these stories yeah. just slightly in the future. And then they're just so like... good. Because then they prognosticate mm, toward mm, things that never happen. Oh, it's so good. Oh, oh I just let it drip down my chin. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I'll get you a hot towel. <laughs> <laughs> you could just wipe it off with your three fingers on your hand. <laughs> Hearing that goes down this week on December 5th, which happens to be General Flynn's birthday. Happy birthday, General Flynn. Who's General Flynn is, did you, didn't he just, oh, he didn't get sentenced. That's right. Yeah, didn't it, the, the sentence got postponed because got the judge postponed. was disgusted yeah, the, with the him. The judge was furious yeah. with him. The judge told him he sold his country out. Yeah. The, the it does he, not sound like he's going to take the prosecutor's yep. recommendation yep. of no prison time. Yeah, because he, because he had initially 
cooperated. Uh-huh. And then they went back to like the media or whatever and said uh-huh. that he was like coerced or something. I forget exactly what he said. Yeah, he kind of went back on and hedged yeah, a bit to try to make bit. himself yep. look good publicly. And yep. the judge was like, oh, oh. oh, guess what's not working out for you, stupid. Well, I, from what I heard is that the, the, the defendants actually were happy about the postponement because they're hoping that the judge will cool off in the interim. Oh, really? Yeah, they're hoping that the judge will cool off. That he's, I hope he that gets up. I hope, he, I hope this. I hope he fights with his wife over I, the dishwasher. Oh, yeah, I hope he's. You yeah. know, like he, I, I hope, hope somebody just get like cuts him off in traffic, oh. and they're just super. Like, yeah, I hope his kid seems like yeah. she's sick, and then she's not sick, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> I hope he has real to. Mad. I hope he has to. I hope he walks in and go exchange a coupon, and they're like, "Sorry, that coupon expired. It's expired, sir." And he's like, "This is Bed Bath and Beyond. It's good forever." <laughs> He just has a whole thing of I mean, He's making it rain <laughs> and Bed Bath and Beyond with Bed Bath and Beyond. Go, I don't need these anymore. This, take this, Laura. Laura, <laughs> here you go, Laura. <laughs> he's trying desperately to find the right one in his CVS receipts, just like peeling them out. Again, which one is it taller than I am? He storms out, gets into his car, and somebody has blocked him in. And he's furious. <laughs> just a series uh, of just, a thousand. Uh, Fucking uh, tiny. And then he just sentences him to death. <laughs> <laughs> bailiff cleave uh, him in twain. <laughs> I want one bailiff on each arm. I want you to pull until you're tired. <laughs> There's a very good chance that the crimes against okay. children crimes against will children. be exposed and the floodgates okay. will break open. I don't- and will they close down the Trump Foundation then? <laughs> I just realized, Cecil, do you remember Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where all those kids get released from the temple? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think she thinks something like that is good. They got to open the doors to the Clinton Foundation <laughs> and all these fucking dirty ragamuffin-ass children are going to come, like, running, scampering all, like, oh, oh, my controlled sex slave and I've been held underground. Kalima Shakti Day and whatever. <laughs> we walk by the Clinton Foundation in downtown, <laughs> wherever it is, out in downtown I don't know, Haiti. When you, <laughs> <laughs> you go there, there's a there's a kid who's breathing on the window and just spells help, help me, me backwards. <laughs> it's backwards. It's like, help, plan. Me, help me. Help me. He just, he does it wrong. He's just like, Impla. Impla. Huh? I don't know that guy. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Don't know for sure. I'm praying that will be the case. But whether it happens on the 5th or in a week or three weeks, or an unlimited timeline. Or forever, never, yeah, ever a ago. Limited time life. As long as on a long enough timeline, this will definitely happen. Do you know who they're not talking about anymore? Hmm. Q. She will probably mention Q. She will mention Q. But yeah, they, you know, it's, it's kind of dropped it's, down it's a little slowed, bit. It's slowed down a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because everything that they've said has fallen apart. Well, it's amazing how they just abandon the pieces that don't work. And yeah. they're just like, well, anyway, let's not talk about that anymore. Yeah. Let's talk about other weird stuff. Anyone seen Indiana Jones? <laughs> Shocked you. The Day. documentary. <laughs> There's a whole temple. It's, it's a temple. Whole, it's a temple of doom. What we need is an archaeologist. <laughs> All you need is a whip of snakes and a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. And it's no coincidence that George Sr. died. And by the way, he didn't die. He was executed. He's like a trillion when he died. Did she say he didn't died? He was. He didn't died. Hold he on. Did executed. she say he didn't died? Hold on. Hold on. I got to hear that again. Okay, yeah. Coincidence that George Sr. died. And by the way, he didn't die. He was executed. 
Cecil. Hold on. So many things are great here. He didn't die. He didn't die. He, he was executed. How many people do you know that were executed that didn't die? <laughs> Rasputin. <laughs> Did he die? Uh, what are we? Well, six. He eventually died. <laughs> they had to try to execute him like five times or whatever. I don't know. Maybe we put should him in a burlap sack, yeah. stab him thirty yeah. times, and throw him in a river. He's fine. I have a funny totally story fine. about this. So. Eli's got a magic trick and I'm not going to ruin the magic trick, but Eli's got a magic trick where he walks up to you and he tells you to, he, he's like, let me see your phone. And he goes to this thing. He's like, it's, it goes, I'm going to open up a Google and he opens up Google and he tells you to type whatever you want. Go ahead and type whatever you like inside of uh, the Google search and then search for it. And I was at um, a conference with the, the uh, scathing guys mm -hmm. and he walks away. And he says, you type whatever you want. And so I type in Rasputin. Okay. And then I hit send. And, uh, and Eli comes walking up a few minutes later and he goes, he goes, okay, are you ready? And I was like, sure. And he's like, it was Rasputin, right? And I was like, yeah, it was Rasputin. And he hits me from the side, just boom, hits me. And he's like, I fucking chose Rasputin too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the trick. So, Maybe everybody so chooses Rasputin. I was like, I was like, wait, how is that? How does he know that we're all going to choose Rasputin? He's like, I don't know, man. And so it was totally, but it was it was amazing. It was it's an amazing trick. But if you if you if you if he does come up to do that trick to you, choose Rasputin. Rasputin. <laughs> all right, what happened after he died? But I, didn't we got we got to figure or? out what he died after he didn't die. Okay, well, after he was executed, he but lived. He died. He did. Died. I was executed, but I feel better now. <laughs> it was just a phase I was going through. <laughs> I'm going to get pardoned right after yeah. I'm executed. Yeah, no, and then you'll be fine. And then you'll be fine. Executed. He was executed. What was he executed with? A snub old nose age. finger gun? You know what we're going to do? We're going to use old age as our secret weapon. <laughs> I'm going to shoot, shoot senility right into his brain. He was like 94. I know. You could execute him by slamming oh the door really hard. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, just boo. <laughs> that guy says what? <laughs> you withhold one meal and he dies. It's one meal. He misses one meal and he's dead. Flick a grain of yeah. salt on him. He'll curl up like a slug. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Take away his daily IV of virgin blood. He's dead within an hour. So the tide is turned, you guys. The Q movement is unstoppable. Q. There the it Q is. The yeah, Q okay, movement. but like, what is the Q movement now? Like, why aren't we talking? Are we, are we done talking about what Q actually says? I, I haven't heard anything about like Q said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Q yeah, said yeah, 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 yeah. the Q quotes, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's right. now it's like yeah. this idea. Well, that right? one guy, that one guy got put. Like he he got subpoenaed or he got did he get charged? Jeremy Corsi? Yeah, he got yeah, charged. He's charged. Yeah. So he's gone. Yeah, that's yeah. over. The media's in a frenzy, the cabals in the frenzy, they're all panicking. Hundred military police members were just sent to Gitmo. They're deployed for a year there. The Pentagon just released guidelines on transferring prisoners to Guantanamo Bay. The writing is on the wall for killing. Very, very old, old, men. old, old men. Men that were so old, they could even be mistaken for dying for natural, of natural causes. Yeah. So there's a possibility you could even mistake it. After you execute them, that's why it's such a brilliant plan. 
is because nobody, nobody, can see it coming. Right. nobody expects these people to live, continue living. And so yeah. you kill the people who are right. super, super I'm old. Listening. You could even yeah. give George W. Bush, a, like the, the elder, a head start of like four days. Give Fine. him a head start. Best he's going to do is fall out of his bed <laughs> and hit his life alert. That's the best he's going to do. All right. It's a race. Go. Is it a life alert if you get executed when you press it's it? A death <laughs> <laughs> it's a life alert anymore. This is happening. Q talks about it. I've been talking about it. Oh, those are valid sources. Okay. Good. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. Nothing is going to stop these arrests from happening. Nothing. Nothing has started the arrests from happening. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> right. Nobody actually initiated the arrests from like starting. Literally one yeah. arrest. Yeah. Well, I love that these guys get executed, like Kane, McCain, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and HW. Yeah. Uh, but like they're like free. Like they don't get arrested. They just get the execution. They get a secret double. Because mm -hmm. it's a super... tribunal execution. Though. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you don't they want to upset to... the family. Yeah. In order to do that tribunal, they had to go into his home in which he was bed bound in or whatever <laughs> and stand around his bed and then tribunalize him right oh there. God. Tribunalize him. <laughs> That's how you kill him. And this is going to be a big week. The world is about to change. Guys, that was a couple weeks ago. It was a Nothing big happened. week. It was a super big week. Yeah, there was like more Trump indictments, I guess, than that. <laughs> Not much. So happened. just a regular week. Yeah, just like a normal week. Yeah. yeah. Facebook scandal and Trump indictments. I just keep the same fucking browsers <laughs> open all the time. I say refresh. Ready to stick it in the glory hole? Get links to their Facebook, Twitter, and if you still use it, Google Plus account at their website, dissonancepod.com. If you need to be all discreet about it, contact them by email at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a ransom message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Want to hear Cognitive Dissonance commercial free and gain access to exclusive content, including full patron-only shows? Head to patreon.com forward slash dissonance pod and become a patron to support the show on a per episode basis. Love commercials? Not ready to become a patron? Give the guys a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. Or tell your buddies in the drunk tank about the show. We want to send a big sloppy glory hole to all the patrons and people who rate us. You fucking rock. So we are joined by Keith from Modest Needs and No Illusions from uh, the many, many podcasts that he does. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, Keith, we wanted to have you on to sort of talk about the, uh, the overwhelming response that we had this time. Uh, on both our shows, uh, no, the five of our shows to vulgarity for charity. Well, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. The overwhelming response. Uh, yeah, I would. We were talking a few minutes ago. That, How are you doing? I said, well, you know, I'm about seventy thousand dollars better than I was uh, you know, <laughs> earlier in you know, last month. And and that's the truth. I, not, not only was it uh, really an astonishing response, it was just so just such a surprise and just so unexpected. Uh, and, and I think that was my favorite part of the whole thing is I didn't even know it was going to happen. <laughs> so, Can you talk a little bit about exactly how you found out about it? Oh yeah, It was, I, I, it was the first week of November and I was, I was sitting in front of the computer, just plugging away, you know, doing, doing the work I do every day and thinking about, okay, what are we going to do, you know, coming up over the next few weeks? And, you know, we said, wow, you, you get this little notification when a contribution comes in through email, it's a boop, you know, get a little notification and it goes, Boop, boop, boop. And, and you know, 
no, seriously. It's like, and I, and I look and, and there's been, you know, a thousand dollars that people have just given in seconds and, and this is great, but you never know where that's come from. And so I, I went through the email and I found a, na- a name that I totally didn't recognize. So this is a person who absolutely is, is supporting modest needs because somebody told them about it, right? I mean, that's how they found out about it. And so I sent an email to that person. I said, oh, thank you. It was a very nice contribution. It was $500 or so. And I sent an email and I said, oh, you know, this is so kind. Thank you very much. By the way, how did you hear about modest needs? And, you know, a few hours later, the guy wrote back and he said, Oh, vulgarity for charity. <laughs> I, said, I said, it's those, it's those guys again. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. I mean, you, you guys just knocked it out of the park. I, I don't even, I really don't have the words for, for you or your, or your listeners to tell you how grateful uh, I am personally and all of us uh, at Modest Needs, the people who work with me. And, and then, of course, the, the people that we help which is you guys have no idea what you've done for, for those folks. I mean, really, we have just we have funded a record number of people in the last four weeks. And it's, it's just been remarkable. So um, uh, I know that some people uh, might not have had an opportunity to donate to Modest Needs. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization, what you guys do? And uh, and maybe we can convince a few other people before Christmas to donate. Oh, that would be great. Sure. So, so modest needs is a really based on a really simple concept. It takes a lot less money to help a person who's on the brink of falling into poverty than it does to wait and just do nothing and then help them when they've lost everything. So what we do is we help people with short-term emergency expenses, the kinds of things that absolutely everybody has had to deal with in their life, the car repair that you didn't think you were ever going to have to make, and then your car breaks down. And in order to work, you've got to fix the car, but you don't have an extra five or $600 sitting around, right? That's most people. Most people are a small expense away from, uh, you know, re- poverty. And so, uh, you know, those people apply for our help. And if we can help them, then, you know, we, we go through, we vet their application. Uh, we get documentation from them, make sure that what they've told us is accurate. Uh, and then we post the application on our website and people can go through and look around, see who, who resonates with them and who they'd like to help and help whoever they'd like. And at the end of the day, uh, when we raise the money necessary to fund one of these expenses, we actually pay the bill on behalf of that person. So, uh, you know, if a person has asked us for help with a car repair, that person is not going to actually see any money. We're going to actually just call the shop and we're going to pay the shop to, to fix the car. So the point of doing all of this is to make sure that nobody who's out there struggling, doing everything they can to make ends meet, has to lose their home or their job or, you know, God forbid, their health over a small expense when there are hundreds of people who would be willing to help them if they just knew what was going on. Modest Needs is the conduit that lets people know what's going on. That's what we do. That's just, it's, it's an incredible organization. And in 2016, when we worked with you guys, um, you kind of, you told the story about how you started Modest Needs or rather how Modest Needs was started. Can you, for listeners who might might be new, can you relay that story? Because I thought that was a really powerful story. Yeah, sure. It was, uh, gosh, this Modest Needs started in 2002, which is kind of hard to believe. Wow. Uh, There's a long time. YouTube is younger than us. You know, it's, it's, Facebook <laughs> is younger than us. You know, so it's kind of funny. But uh, uh, let's see. So I used to be a professor. And, and I think I told you guys this at the time. It was really funny. I'll tell you again. When, when you start as a professor... Uh, you know, I had wanted to do that job my whole life. I'd always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, and so, you know, I, I got my PhD. I started teaching at the university level. My first graduate course, they give it to me. Everybody else is getting, you know, their specialty. And I look at mine and what they've assigned to me 
is research and bibliography, which is like the class no student ever wants to take. And the people who had numbered the courses had a sense of humor. I swear to God, it was English 666. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm teaching English 666. And, you know, I've got all these students who don't want to take the class in the first place and yada, yada, yada. And I just was determined I was going to make it a great class. And uh, just lo and behold, we we did great. And I mention all of this because Modest Needs came out of a, a class experience I had. I was, we had one day where the class had just been superb, just phenomenal. And I'm driving home. I taught in uh, Middle Tennessee State University, which is outside of Nashville. And I lived in Nashville. So I was driving home. It's about a 30 minute commute. And I'm just thinking about how lucky I am to have a job. I mean, just just the holy grail of academic jobs, really. And, you know, uh, people that I like. And I mean, it's a nice thing when they pay you to talk about what you like to nice people. I mean, that's just a great job. And I start thinking about all of the times in my life, especially when I had been a grad student, that I just came within, you know, just minutes of, of really not, not being able to, say, pay my rent and ending up on the street because of the, the same kinds of expenses we work with at Modest Needs. And I started thinking specifically about uh, this one guy. Uh, who I used to work for, he was a projectionist. I, I worked my way through school as a projectionist because you didn't have to work but 15 minutes every two hours, you know? Uh, so I wrote my dissertation while I was doing the movies. And uh, this guy was, he was an old, old time guy, old school guy. And uh, he was my boss and, and he was also pretty grumpy most of the time. Uh, and so one day I'm going to work and I go to start my car and my car doesn't start. And it turns out uh, after some, you know, looking around to be uh, the timing belt or the timing chain, which, you know, is a huge repair. And uh, I didn't have the money to do it. I just didn't. I I could either pay my rent or fix my car. And I was living in, you know, East Tennessee at the time, going to grad school. And, you know, we're not known for our public transportation out there. So, you know, it was the car or nothing. Well, I fixed the car because I, you know, I think this is a lot of people do this. You know, I, de- I didn't have family who could help. You don't want to go to your friends and say, hey, you know, my life is down to $500. Can you loan me some money? Uh, and so I just, I fixed the car. And, you know, what I hoped is I would pick up some extra shifts and, you know, pay my rent that way. And, you know, that's, again, you know, it's, it's delusional. You're not going to do it, but you, you won't admit it to yourself until you get an eviction notice. And that's what happened to me. I had a three-day pay or quit notice. And I have no idea where I'm going to get the money to, uh, to pay this rent. And I go to work that night and, you know, I pass my boss on his way out and he's sort of like, you know, he notices I'm not very happy. He says, what's wrong with you? And I, I told him and his whole response was, well, that's too bad. I hope you get that worked out. And I was like, well, that's nice. Thanks a lot. (laughs) And the next day I came to work and he had put a check made out to my landlord on the workbench. Uh. Uh, And that's how I paid my rent. He never let me pay him back. He would never talk about it. He would barely let me even thank him. He was embarrassed to have done it, you know, kind of thing. He was just so kind. And I was thinking about that guy uh, and what he did for me. And I thought, you know, it's a shame that there's not an organization that does that for people because people could really use that. That's something we could all do together. You could do it for not a lot of money. Uh, we help a lot of people, high impact. And I thought to myself, you know, when I'm rich, because see, that's how most people think about giving, right? It all starts with you having a a billion dollars or something. And like, you know, when I'm rich, that's what I'd like to do. And, and then it occurred to me 
that the word philanthropy itself just means compassion for people. There's absolutely no money in that word. And and these people who had done things like like that guy for me in the past, I mean, they had never been rich. They had just cared about me. They loved me. That's what it came down to. And I thought, you know, that's what I've missed all of these years. It's that you just have to take what you've got and start with what you have and just do the best that you can. And it's not about money. It's about having compassion for people who, who are in a bad place. And so I downsized my life to the point that I had $350 a month and started Modest Needs. Uh, and what I hoped would be just a little side thing for me, I was going to keep teaching and, you know, help maybe one person a month with a really small expense. And that that's how Modest Needs started. Yeah, it's, that's still an incredible story. <laughs> Two yes. years later, I still like that story. Like it, it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome. So you, you said that the, the folks at Modest Needs, they apply. Uh, how many applicants do you guys get in a year? Oh my gosh. So, so many. Uh, we do. I, okay. To give you an idea, we just had to limit the number of applications that we were taking right now. We actually have a cutoff. We stopped taking applications at a point so that we can you know, service the, serve the people that we already have. Right. Uh, and we just had to turn it off. Now, remember, this is just for right now at 1,200 applications. Oh, my gosh. Right? That's so 1,200 like at any given time? They're at any given time, and they're in wow. they're different stages in the process, right? Like Some of them are still completing their applications, whereas others have completed them, and, and they're, we've told them what documentation we want, and we're waiting to get it. And so, you know, when you look on our website, I think we have available, uh, let's see, it's 150 or so applications that you can actually donate to. All the rest of those are in the background, you know, ready to take those places as as those fall off and, and we get more documentation. And so we overall in a year, it, gosh, the number of people who apply has, has to be over 12,000. It has to be. Uh, oh and in a, really, in a really good year, we can help maybe 15 or 1600 of those families. Just It just depends on, on giving. We can help an unlimited number. It just depends on how much money people are willing right. to give. Uh, but on average, if we do 1600 families a year, I mean, you, you figure an average of, of four people, a family, that's, that's pretty effective when you consider that the average grants just about $700. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is the average is, is, is $700. That's that line. That's that average line for people between making it and not making it. And you know how to $700 is a, is a huge amount of money if you don't yeah. have $700. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, what's, what's great though is how it's raised. I mean, you know, we, we definitely have people who, who can give more and, and they do, but generally speaking, the average gift is 25 or $50, you know? Uh, and, and a lot of the gifts are smaller than that. We have a lot of folks who, who get help and they come back and, and, pledge $5 a month. And that's routine, absolutely routine. We help somebody and within a day or two, they've come back and they've become a a donor to the organization. So it really does sort of uh, build on itself. And and as people get help, they, they become the people who help others. And it's, it's just, it's perfect. I love the way that it works. Well, that's one of the things that I really like about the whole concept is that it tackles the sort of cyclical nature of of poverty, but it also tackles it. You know, it also works with the fact that at different points in an individual's life, you're going to be on different sides of that divide, right? So yeah. there are definitely times in my life where, like, I could have used a modest needs, right? It could have saved me a lot, and it could have saved me years of digging back out. And of course, now I'm at a point in my life uh, where I'm on the other side, and I can give to that. Um, it, it's sort of along those lines. Do you have any like a, a, any good success stories of somebody that you did kind of like? 
keep out off that brink of poverty and and that was able to come back and, and, and make a big donation or like let you know what a different set made in their lives? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorites. This is I'm so glad you asked that question. I was actually thinking about this earlier. So this this was several years ago. OK, this would have been in, I guess, before 2010. But but this will give you an idea of, of what was going on even even back in the day, as they say. So there was this this person who applied for help from California, and I'm pretty sure it was Southern California, uh, in like Los Angeles area. Who uh, what the person needed was this: the person who had been un- underemployed all of her life, and she's finally gotten uh, a, a good job offer, and it's a union job, which is just, I mean, there you go, that's what you need. But in order to get the job, she has to pay union dues which I always thought was really silly because how do you do that, right? I mean, how do you pay union dues if you don't have your job yet? But that was the requirement and we verified the whole thing and sure enough, she had to pay, it was $350 of union dues. And so uh, we vetted the application, our donors funded it and we paid the union dues. And so, you know, normally that, I mean, that's a great success story by it by itself. The woman got her job and that's great. But a couple of years later, I'm just sitting around, you know, thinking about, things as, as one does. And I, I started thinking about that person because, you know, we actually get to know these people that we work with. I mean, we, we, we really do. And I wondered what had happened with her. And so I just looked her up and called her and she answered the phone and I said, hi. And I told her who I was. And she said, oh, oh it's so good to hear from you. I, I don't have time to talk, but, but I'll tell you what happened. She said, so, so you guys paid the union dues and I, I got the job and I worked really hard and I, I ended up quitting like in six months because I got another job that was paying me almost twice as much. And then I, I left and I took another job after that. And, and she went on and she said, and the reason I can't talk right now is because I'm, I'm on my way to the bank because I'm closing on my first house. Ha! Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, you know, $350 to take somebody from underemployed who with their hard work buys their house two years later. I'm good with that. No yeah. kidding. That's really great. But, you know, again, again, really, it speaks to, I, I think, the character of the people that we work with. Uh, these, these are people just like you said. I mean, they, uh, you know, they're on, they're on the, the, the. They, they need help at the moment. They're not always going to be that way. They always come back. And sure enough, she did too. I mean, she came back and gave a very, you know, very nice contribution eventually. Yeah, and it was $100, $150. And she had given small amounts prior to that. So it's just, it's just really sweet. So can you talk to us a little bit about the vetting process? Because I know all of us are inundated on social media with people constantly sh- sharing a hard luck story that that tugs at your heartstrings, but you don't know if it's legitimate. And you see these stories in the news about, yeah, we're going to start a, a fundraiser for this homeless guy, and then he's going to sue us later to get the money. Um, oh, my God. That was the craziest story ever. Was it that GoFundMe? Well, yeah. See, listen, I mean, no disrespect to GoFundMe, <laughs> yeah. but they're sort of the Wild West of giving. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, you if you give on GoFundMe, any anything could be happening. But, uh, you know, we're, we're actually monitored by the IRS and all those good folks. So we actually have to have a process as to how this works. So the way that it works is that people who apply for our help, they, they go through our application and the application uh, is the initial part of the vetting. We determine whether or not they fit our, our most basic grant making guidelines. Uh, they have to have an income that's, that's within certain limits and they have to uh, have at least some income coming in. They can't just be to- absolutely totally destitute because in those cases, Cases, there are other programs that can that can help with that. Uh, so once the person has filled out the application, we request documentation from the person, and the amount of documentation we, we request tends to, uh, you know, tends to be pretty standardized. It varies depending on 
uh, how much the person is asking for, for in terms of help. But generally speaking, we'll get a copy of the person's photo ID. We'll get copy of the utility bills. We're verifying, you know, address, location, identity, uh, a copy of the person's uh, lease or, or mortgage payment coupon. So we, we, one of the things we look at is housing costs. So we're verifying that. Uh, we're going to get a copy of the, the bill that they're asking for our help to pay. And then usually, because m- most of the, to be honest, the, the number one request that we have uh, is help with rent because I already paid an emergency that you would have helped me with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens a lot, just just like with me. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so in those cases, what we want to see is proof that the person actually had an emergency. And it's not that they just want us to pay rent. So, uh, for example, we had a person who one time asked, it was exactly this situation, asked us for help to pay the rent because what had happened is her child had set fire to the curtains in, a, in an apartment that they rented. And, you know, she had fire insurance and the whole thing. It was fine. But, uh, you know, by the time she paid the deductible, she didn't have the money to pay the rent. Uh, well, that was the reason she had come to Modest Needs. And in that particular case, what we asked for, in addition to all of the standard documents that we get, was a copy of the fire marshal's report that verified the fire. Uh, and once we had that, I mean, we were convinced that that she had, you know, I mean, think about it. This is we're doing all of this for money. She's never going to see if she if she gives us all of this and we're going to give the money straight to her landlord. Probably it's legitimate. Mm, right. Uh, and so once we get all of that documentation uh, and we we're satisfied that it's all legit uh, and, and we do check all of that, you know, uh, once and once we know. Um, we put it online and let our donors look at it. But that's the basic vetting process. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, let me tell you, it's not to say that all of the people who come to Modest Needs are saints. We, we catch our fair share of people trying to do some, you know, funky stuff. But the point is that we catch them. Right. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they don't go forward. How long does that vetting process take? It's, it's pretty fast. We, yeah. we can do, we've been doing this a long time. So, uh, by the time we get their documentation in, we can turn it around. Depending on how busy the day is, if we if we're all dug in, we can we can turn it around in a day. Oh wow! Or less. Yeah. Wow. It, sometimes it can it, it can be hours if it's a real emergency. Yeah, that's that's so important. As you were talking, I was thinking about that because these these crises that that these folks are facing, they're just so incredibly time sensitive. That's right. That help is so time sensitive. So having a place that they can turn to get help, you know, that quickly just. I, there's nothing else like it. There's just nothing else like it. I'm, I'm, I have to tell you, I'm really, really proud of what people have uh, done with Modest Needs. And, you know, I'm happy that I can be there and, and sort of help, you know, finesse it and and help develop it as things change in the technical world and, and the charitable world. But really, all, all the credit goes to people like your listeners who come in and make these contributions, because in the end, we can vet everybody all day long. We can offer all the assurance that we want. If people aren't giving, it makes no difference. And, you know, the people who came in and, and made those contributions, they made massive differences. You know, it's in, f- in fact, that's a, that's an overused statement. Would you like to hear an actual thing? That, that your your listeners did oh absolutely let me, this this is this is one of my okay listen one of the things I just love to talk about all right when we get to get righteous with a bill collector right? because I don't like it when people are <laughs> mean to other people it doesn't make me happy right so we had an application come in during the fundraiser from a woman who's an army veteran whose car had basically uh, she was behind on her car payment we had vetted everything 
Uh, we were ready to go, but it took a little, it, we, she needed a little more than usual. It was around $1,100 and took a little longer to fund it. And by the time the money was there to do it, the car had actually already been repossessed. Well, this is no problem because all we have to do is pay this arrearage and she can get the car, right? That's it. So that your listeners did, they funded that arrearage. And now all we have to do is call and make the payment, right? Okay. Guess, guess what? They wouldn't take the payment from us. They told us that they're not going to, the, the lender doesn't want our payment because, you know, in reality, see, that's how this thing works, right? Subprime lending works this mm-hmm. way. They make a loan to somebody knowing that eventually you're going to default, right. then they get to sell the same thing again. If we pay it back and the person gets their car back, that just messes with everything. It took us four hours to get somebody on the phone and a lot of really mean, nasty threats to just get somebody to take the money. That's incredible. But we got it done and she got her car and I'm very happy about that, you know. Uh, but your listeners did that. That's that's absolutely last month. It really does talk about the predatory nature of, you know, just like how how shitty it is to be poor and like and like the, you know, just, just how expensive it is to be poor. You know, you, t- you talk yeah. about right. like like how, you know, this this first off it's a subprime loan. So they're probably paying ridiculous interest interest payments just as it is they you know they take the car away and then they're going to stack on fees and they'll probably add like a towing fee and there's just like everything just the thing that you guys are able to do is swoop in just before all of those fees start to stack up because that's what's going to kill you all of those vultures yeah what they had already done in this case you know there's three steps in this process step one you know in the, in the subprime game step one is that they take the, the the vehicle or whatever the property is step two is they take it and move it a long way away from the person oh right? the fuckers they had, they had already done both of those things so this woman uh, I can't. I can't remember where she was exactly, but the but the car was like 600 miles from oh, her. Oh my god! What? So they moved it to instead of just auctioning it, you know, like where she lives, they move it 600 miles away, and then they just wait for you to default, and then they can add, you know, like the final default. They can add all the fees, uh, and that's what they were they were trying to stall by not taking our payment because when we did it, I mean, it came in under the wire. We had it was that day. We had to do it that day. And and they were doing everything possible to not let us get that money paid. Unbelievable. I remember when I was a boy, we had our lights uh, turned off, our electricity turned off. And uh, it took months to turn the electricity back on because, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, you, you paid the money, you, you know, the, some, something came up, so you just can't pay the money. And now you're stuck with the lights off. And then the fees start piling because you're late with the amount of money that you have to pay mm-hmm. them back. And so right. you have to have somebody call them and, and, you know, you got to like, there's, there's all this other work that has to go, go into that. It's not just, oh, once I get the money, I'll pay it. No, there's a whole other stack of fees that has to get added in there. And a whole other, you know, series of phone calls. Like you said, you spent four hours on the phone them yeah it's not just it's not just money it's time too and it's uh you guys just save people so much just by swooping in at that last second to help them out with that one thing and i'm not gonna lie you know it feels really really good to get righteous with somebody like that i bet i bet bet. Uh, oh my gosh Uh, but boy it it there were three of us that, that worked on that three people four hours to, to make one payment. Normally that would take 30 seconds. Yeah. And you know, wow. like to add to that, to add to what Cecil said, it's, it's not just the amount of time and the amount of work. It's the amount of expertise that's involved. A lot of people are intimidated. They don't know their yeah. rights. They don't know that how hard they can push. They just, they don't know. 
They've got they've got other they've got other areas of expertise in their life, and this is not one of them. So having somebody to advocate for them in that way is huge. And and you know people are they're, they're, when it comes to money, people are just very afraid. I think people live in tend to live in fear about money. Well, you sure as hell do when you don't have any. Having been there, when you don't have money, the last thing you want to do is talk too much about money for fear that somebody's going to notice you don't have it. <laughs> you know, but you know it's so funny because even uh, you know, a, a lot of people with with money live in fear that it's going to be gone. Right. So you have yeah. you have the people who don't have it, the people who have it who are afraid to lose it. The bottom line is that you know with the people that we work with, they, they're just you know they're just timid. They're afraid that that if they say the wrong thing, these people are somehow going to swoop in and make it worse for them than it already is. And so they just tend to roll over and I don't roll over. I just don't like that. So uh, <laughs> good. And so there we go. Well, you got to think, you know, there's an awful lot of, you know, financial institutions, the subprime loans and the payday loans and all of this stuff that are, that are trying to screw poor people out of money. A um, lot of bad guys in the world. Really nice to know that you're out there. If you think about it, Keith, you're, you're kind of like a superhero. Oh, that's funny, but thank you very much. Right. <laughs> so, like, I'm just if, if you're looking for a little, little, put a little kick on that business card or whatever, just add to the end, superhero. Superhero. Yeah. Okay, great. It is. <laughs> it is. It is not lost on me that like Keith is here talking about how he hates it when people are mean to other people, and we raise seventy thousand dollars <laughs> being mean to people. Like, you know. <laughs> You know what we're gonna do next time, Keith? Is I want you to I want you to send in ahead of time, send in a list of people that you that you have to talk to on the phone that you don't like. We'll that roast you want us to shit roast, and we will roast the <laughs> shit out of those people. All right, well, I yeah. know I know who's number yeah. one on that list. We've come to refer to them by the initials STD. <laughs> and you know what's funny is that that actually is the initials of the lender. But I swear to God, it's STD. So, so we'll start there and. Uh, It'll be Absolutely. really fun. But yeah, I, I actually was a little sad I didn't get roasted this time. So, you know, without <laughs> uh, making me just cry. How many people, do you, and this may not be something that you can even answer, but do you know how many people around estimate that were helped just by the charity drive? And, and what does that compare to, say, a David Smalley podcast a thought? Like, you know, like, like if you're going to say, like, it's like four David Smalley podcast a <laughs> thought, or like, that, you know. Wait. Okay, so wait, that's actually accurate. It's, 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 it, it balances. Balances out the same as height, though it works out the same as height with yeah. Cesar. But, but you know, I mean, every, everybody does what they can do. I right. mean, how many people was it that we helped? It was, oh gosh, uh, e easily a hundred and fifty. Oh my god! Wow. And it, in oh. terms of grant, grants that That's... we made, easily a hundred and fifty grants. And and I'd have to look and see how many people were affected by, it. but it, but it was. Oh a wow! Time. Is that a and that's a good month? One hundred and fifty is a good month. No, that's that's a good two months, at least two months. You know, oh, May, maybe three awesome. months. So so yeah, that's that's unbelievable, is what that is. Oh, that's that's just excellent. How great is that? How great is that? Pretty, it's pretty great. Oh. Um, no, you you guys made you made the year. You, not only did you make me really happy, which is of course I know your primary concern, yeah. but <laughs> oh, uh, but beyond that. No, you you really made the end of the year different than it was going to be for a lot of people. Your listeners did a great thing. So I, I really, really can't thank you enough for all that you did. They're like superheroes. Yeah. Too. <laughs> <laughs> really vulgar superheroes like Kick-Ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keith, uh, we want to thank you um, for running such a great charity. Noah, oh, we yeah. want to thank you for thinking up such an amazing 
way to help other people and for inviting us yet again to do this work. So guys, you guys are superheroes. Thank you both for joining us. Hey, thank you, man. Yeah, no, no, thank you guys so much. And and don't forget if you if you still want to get in on the fun, you can just go to modestneeds.org and help people all all through the rest of the year. We have another match thanks to uh uh you guys inspired some people. So we have another match going on. You can still get your, your contributions doubled. So any help you want to offer, please come our way. We'll we'd love to have you. And I also want to remind everybody that you can also make it you can also set up a monthly donation as uh, many of us on this phone call have done. Oh yeah, and that uh, let me tell you, those are the bread and butter in the in the months when it's not so uh, people are not feeling quite so cheerful. Those are the way. That's how we fund people is is through those uh, monthly contributions. So if you feel like doing that, we would really love it, guys. Thanks for joining us, and 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 thanks for and thanks for such amazing work, Keith. So I want to thank our patrons. Of course, we want to thank all our patrons, but first, we want to thank our most recent patrons. Uh, Kaylee and Samantha, thanks so much for, uh, for joining up. Uh, remember that if you want to support the show, you can do so for as little as $1 an episode. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash dissonance pod, and, uh, you can support the show on an episode, uh, per episode basis. And, uh, we love our patrons. Our patrons are the reason why we uh, are able to hire people to help work on the show and, uh, and have a studio in downtown Chicago. So thank you so much patrons. You guys, uh, you guys make this show work. So thank you. We want to talk a little bit about uh, some email that we got, but specifically, uh, we got a lot of email from people um, and a lot of great reaction from the uh, the trans piece that we did last time. We talked about a, a trans uh, issue that came up, um, trans discrimination issue that came up, and then there was a trans privilege list that I read off, a, a cisgender privilege list, pardon me, that I read off um, last episode. And a bunch of people responded very positively and said that they were very, uh, they thought that the segment was really great. It uh, it gave some people, some people, some interesting perspective that they had never experienced before. Um, and Tom and I had some questions about yeah. that. We had some questions specifically when it came to medical care. Yeah, I, I did not at all understand how medical care would be impacted by yeah. somebody's identity as a trans person. Yeah. And uh, uh, we got a message from Logan and Logan says um, a couple of examples. If your identification or insurance information doesn't match your gender identity, there can be delays or refusal of your care. And uh, the person treating you upon finding out you're trans may give you suboptimal care or focusing on your genitals, genitalia, hormone, surgery plans as a trans person, regardless. And it has nothing to do for your reason for being there and uh, not disclosing medications taken or past surgeries when it's relevant due to fear of discrimination or transphobia and anxiety over possibilities listed above could keep some of the people from seeking treatment altogether or delaying it. So that was all things I I did not even know that I had to consider because my privilege. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's the same thing we talked about last time. We we both said out loud. Yeah. We, we don't know what this means and we're privileged because we don't know what it means. That is literally the privilege, right? right? Like not to have to deal with it. Not, yeah. Not to have to do that. So um, we got a we got a lot of messages about this, but but thank thank you Logan and thank you everyone else for sending in thank messages about sure. this. Yeah, we got a uh, you know it's funny because um, last week we talked about the baby. It's cold outside. We did indeed, and uh, and I mentioned um, it, it's funny because one of the things that I did was I said uh, the reason why I even brought it up eighties uh, movies was because I was trying to draw a parallel to banning 
Baby It's Cold Outside. Baby mm-hmm. It's Cold Outside has been banned from several different radio networks. They're not playing it anymore. They've taken right. it off the right. air. And I was trying to draw a parallel between that and say, be, say maybe a problematic movie that happened in the 80s. Right. Neither of us advocated banning those movies. Neither of us advocated that at all. I said I felt a little creeped out by them, but you know, I and I but we talked about them, we talked through right. them, and uh and neither of us advocated banning. No, not not at all. Not at all. And I mean, and you know, look, maybe I'm overreacting. There's a possibility I'm overreacting. I have no idea, right? Like I can only go with how I feel, right? And I'm telling you how I'm feeling. I'm not telling you how I'm logicking, right? right. I'm telling you how I'm feeling about something. And uh, when I watch that, I feel creeped out. I also feel creeped out in Revenge of the Nerds when a guy dresses like somebody else and sleeps with somebody under false pretenses in a fucking, uh, in the moonwalk or whatever, on the fucking, on the waterbed thing that's there. He takes her into this like public, basically a public place, like a fun house and bangs this girl who's not his girlfriend, who he's dressed like her boyfriend in a mask in a Darth Vader outfit. And he sleeps with a girl in there. And you're just like, or he goes down on her. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what, I can't remember what he does, but he, he sexually, he does something sexual to her. Right. And she's already somebody else. <clears throat> Am I not supposed to be creeped out? Cause I'm creeped out by that. I, Cause that's the hero. Yeah. Do you, I had a question. Do you think some of the pushback, if you've got something that is beloved, like breakfast club, which I, right. again, I haven't sure. Seen, yeah, I know a yeah. lot of people love it. Yeah. Do you think it might be the case that like for some people, if it's beloved, the whole thing has to be beloved. Maybe you can't have a scene on it. Like, so for example, like I know that like I can look at something and I I imagine many people can, but I wonder if it's problematic to to, like for some folks to be like, yeah, I love that movie. I still want to love that movie. Yeah. But if a scene in it is a problem, then I have to throw out the whole movie. I don't know that you have to do that, but I think there's an all or nothing mentality that could be that sometimes pervades. So it's like reflective. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to not love this thing. I've always loved. Yeah. Yeah. I have good memories of watching it. I've always enjoyed it. If I recognize that that scene is a problem, then I have to throw away the whole movie, Yeah, you know, or throw away all my fond memories of that movie. And I think that there's some, not saying these folks particularly, but I think there's sometimes that there's that reaction where it's like, but I loved this. Yeah. And I don't want to not love it anymore. And I don't want to not have those good memories of it anymore. I'd still watch Breakfast Club if it was on. Like I've seen it a hundred times. I'd I watch, may watch it tomorrow. It. If I, it came on, if it came on the TV, I'd still watch it. I'm not, like I said, I'm not advocating not watching these movies. I'm not advocating banning them or boycotting them. What I do want to point out though, is that the people in those movies, the, the Revenge of the Nerds and the Breakfast Club, those are the heroes doing those actions. Yeah. These aren't villains in the movies that are doing these actions. These aren't people that are like, you're You're like, oh yeah, well that guy was just shitty. That was just a shitty dude and we shouldn't look to him for any kind. No, these are the heroes of the movie. Yeah, I didn't know In, that. in Revenge yeah. of the Nerds, it's the heroes, man. Right. It's the heroes that, that put uh, voyeur cams in the sorority. That's the heroes, right. guys. Like, like, you know, and the thing is, is like, I can watch Revenge of the Nerds tomorrow. Like I could watch, if it could come on TV, I may watch the whole movie, but there's going to be part of me. And maybe I've changed over the last 20 years. Maybe I've grown up some, maybe my own personally grown up. Maybe our own consciousness has shifted forward a little bit more progressive where we think that that sort of thing Maybe, but imagine a movie today with those as heroes. Imagine a movie that comes out tomorrow in 2018 where the heroes Go in and put uh, voyeur cams in the in the sorority. Yeah, imagine that movie because I can't. Right, I don't think that movie comes out tomorrow. 
I don't think that movie is is released tomorrow where the hero. Now, the villain may do that, but not the hero. Right, right. So I yeah. just, I don't know. Like I, and I, you know, maybe I but am it, overreacting. I don't know. But I know that I feel different today than when I first saw that movie. And like, isn't it good to have those things available to us so we can look at them and have these conversations sure. and like examine the ways that like our culture has changed and our mores have shifted. And yeah. like, you know, like, I think it's a good thing to look at a movie that was once beloved and be like, that makes me uncomfortable now. Well, cool. Like yeah. that, that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I had, it's funny. Cause it's like, you ever listen to a song that you know from childhood yeah. or, you know, and you never once listened to the lyrics yeah. really. Yeah. And then like, as a grown person, you're like, I'm going to turn on that old funny song. And you listen to the lyrics in their horror show. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening. Baby, it's cold outside. So my example would be funky cold Medina. I thought it was a silly song with like this funny kind of beat. And for some reason that song reoccurred to me one day and I put it on and I was like, ah, it's going to be so funny. And I was like, Whoa! Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. I had no idea. Yeah. I just wasn't aware enough at the time that that song was a part of my life. Sure. It was just a song with kind of this silly, funky, cool beat that I enjoyed. That was part of all of our cultural consciousness. It's an unacceptably awful song. Now there was this, that's a good thing that I yeah. look at it different. There was a song that somebody sent in to us. Um, and it was a while ago and I can't remember what it was, but it was from like a metal band. That I oh, remember yeah, yeah. when I was a kid listening to. And the I remember listening to the song and, and rock and not rocking out to it, but like laughing with my buddies when I was a kid about it. I, for, I, I forget what the song is about, but they're they're trying to do like a rap. And at the end of the rap, they make monkey sounds. Ugh. They make monkey and they're like, it, uh, the thing is, is like when I was a kid again, uh -huh. it didn't, it didn't occur to me what they were doing, right? right. Yeah, I wasn't smart enough. Yeah. To understand that that's a that's a slur, right? I right. didn't get it. I was too stupid, or I was just unaffected by it, or just like it was, went right over my head. But it never once occurred to me that it was a slur, right? right? And it's also an anti-gay song too. There's also gay bashing song like type things in it going on too. It's a really horrible like, and it's terrible to listen. Like I listen to it now, and I'm like, it's so bad. It's just <laughs> bad, right? But I, but as a kid, I remember hearing it many, many times. And I remember asking someone, why didn't you put that one song on? You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. so I know I had, I had sort of almost requested that song as right. a kid. But when I listened to it as an adult, I'm like, it's garbage. It's awful. Yeah. It's not only badly done. It's also <laughs> just bad, just bad in general. Right. And it has a terrible message. And, you know, I think it's okay to step back once in a while and be like, oh, you know, yeah, I don't think the same way I did back then. Right. I think personal growth is okay. We did get a message about uh, our discussion about baby with cold out, uh, baby. It's cold outside uh, from Judy. And Judy had said that the problem is, is, is that um, while the intentions of this, of the writers in the original context may not be problematic, uh, the broader context of the culture tells young people that when someone says no to my sexual advances, they really mean yes. Uh, and, uh, and the nuance of the ending that you picked up and on its distinction uh, many who like might listen might miss. And to me, it's a cost benefit thing. How much enjoyment do we get out of it versus how much harm can it do? And uh, in our society, oftentimes sexual assaults believe uh, or claim that their victims wanted it. And this song, as well as many other pieces, of our media may perpetuate that. Um, is it part of, you know, 
what they call rape culture. You know, like that's the question. You know, that's right. the question we've got to ask ourselves. I think that's the that's the whole that's criticism the whole, of baby. That, it's that is outside, that's the right? whole criticism, yeah. right? Um, does it contribute to a problem? Is yeah. that and it's and I think it's hard to to quantify that on both sides. You know, is it contributing or is it not? You know, like I think it's hard. I'll tell you what. I'm glad we're having conversations about. It. Yeah. Like regardless of where you fall or whether you shift on it, like at least we're having conversations on these topics. Yeah. Got a message from uh, from <clears throat> Caleb, and Caleb let us know that uh, the idea that I had, that million dollar idea I had last week, Tom, about taking human stem cells, maybe from miscarriages, maybe from abortions, didn't matter where I got them from, maybe on the black market. Don't ask a lot sure. of questions. You know, don't ask a lot of questions about where I how I junk this mice up. But if I shoot them up with human gudge and try to, human I wasn't, I wouldn't be able What's to gudge in there. I wouldn't be able to sell them mainly because, um, transporting mice, uh, there's a chance, a greater chance that they're going to get sick or potentially infecting all the mice that are kept in the same location at the receiving institution. And he's like, there's just a, it's like a huge problem to actually do all this. Right. He's like, He's like, ordering mice like this could also be prohibitively expensive. It's a lot cheaper to inject mice you already have with cells instead of getting my ship to you. He says, basically, the further from a stock mouse it is, the more expensive it is. <laughs> your, your mouse has spinners on it. I know, like it's I modded like, out yeah, my it's mouse. Like, it's a low rider. It's got little legs. <laughs> it's got like a rattling yeah. trunk. I guess, I guess, though, that it's uh, that it's not whatever. It's not, it's not feasible. Whatever. My idea sucks. Fine, Caleb. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking my idea sucks. That's okay. We got a message from Rich and Rich said that, uh, Rich also, uh, chimed in on the trans issues that we brought up. And one of the things that Rich said was, uh, basically there's a possibility that they could get, you know, go up in the end up in the hospital, be unconscious. And then they might be outed against their wishes. That's yeah, another that's thing I that thought. I hadn't yeah. considered either. Right. You know, getting outed against your wishes could be really, really horrible. We got a message from Maggie and Maggie says is a public defender and said that, uh, the sort of Michael Cohen pee pee dance he does where he stands up there, <laughs> where he stands up there and shifts from foot to foot uh -huh. and begs for forgiveness is a thing. And, Basically, uh, it's, it's something because the judges expect it. Um, it's, and it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those acceptance of responsibility things yeah. that they, they expect them to do it. And so it has, it, even though she doesn't think it's a thing, she's like, whatever, she still instructs her clients to do it. Yeah. All the, all the fucking hand wringing and you know, all that stuff, that theater, is required yeah. to not get fucked over at yeah. sentencing. Yeah. That's crazy. You had you had mentioned something earlier about um like how they do the same thing with parole. Yeah, it's bullshit on parole. Like the general rule on parole is like unless you accept responsibility, they're not going to let you out. And that's like that's fucking crazy and shouldn't matter. Like if you were not a problem and you're not a danger to society and it's just costing us money to keep you there. Yeah. Like I don't care if you apologized and said you were sorry and you totally did it to the fucking nine guys on the parole board. Like society doesn't get to hear it. Nobody cares. All that does is make it impossible for you to pursue vindications yeah. through appeals. Right. Yeah. Right. That's all it does. Yeah. It makes it so it's easier that way. We got a message from Marissa and Marissa says, you would be surprised how often I get asked about my genitals. It asked about my genitals every single day. Jesus. And then she said in a Facebook exchange, 
where somebody just asks some really deal questions that you don't ask people about like surgery and nuts. I mean, like, it's just crazy I, I that don't they have to go through that. this. Unreal. I don't understand it because it's like so blatantly rude. And also like, why do other people care about genitals? They're not playing. With? Yeah. And how do you feel entitled to know about? It? I, I don't, the, like I, I'm not even curious about yeah, other people. I literally am not. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. if, if they're not genitals that are a part of my life, yeah. like they're not interesting yeah. genitals. Right. Like, I don't understand that either. Yeah. It's so rude and it's also just weird. It's unreal. And intrusive. We got a message from Zach and Zach gave a lot of the reasons that uh, we got from Caleb about the uh, the mice being not being able to be transported and things like that. And and uh, but one of the things that that Zach says, which I want to read, um, Zach said that they work in a lab. Uh, uh, they work in lab animal husbandry and uh, they they said that one of the things that we had said was we're willing to sacrifice an unlimited number of mice for an AIDS cure. And they said, I don't know if you knew this, but when we euthanize an animal, we say sacrifice it as a small way to acknowledge the honor of the animal. That's really interesting. Like a, like a way in which to say, you know, we're not just euthanizing this thing. This thing isn't just a useless thing. It was, it, it its use was to help further this thing. Right. To yeah. act as a yeah. sacrifice to this larger yeah. good. I think it's nice. Yeah. So we want to thank Keith from Modest Needs for coming on. Uh, if you want to donate to Modest Needs, remember there's still time before it's it's the day before Christmas, the spirit of giving. There's still time before Christmas to give. So if you go to modestneeds.org, you can give. Um, they they have tons of different people that are looking for help right now. So you can check it out. Uh, Keith is a a, a great uh, a, just a, just a great dude. It's an amazing just resource for humanity. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. Absolutely. Just a good human being. Yeah. And if you're, remember, if your roast did not happen yet, do not worry. At the new year, we are going to be doing all these roasts. We're going to be doing a ton of roasts as the new year comes in. We're going to be doing uh, roasts on this show and on scathing. So listen to our show and scathing when, when they're going to be coming out. We'll make sure to, 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 to let you know when we'll be doing it. But in the very beginning of next year, we're going to be restarting them up. We just don't want to fill our shows up with right. so many roasts that people think it's the roast show. Uh -huh. um, we want to we want to space these out just a little bit, but don't worry. We are going to get to every single one of these roasts. We are not going to give up. We will continue to write dick jokes for these roasts. Um, so so just wait around, and yours will either be played on our show or on their show, but it will definitely be done. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy healing, water downward spiral, brain dead pan sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death in towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques, and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this.
The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.